0: Oh gosh, oh man, oh wow, okay, and then... Assalamu Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 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 I think I'm ready. As- <gasps> Hello and welcome to The Found Cause, we we found a cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right is...
1: Sebastian,
2: the bookkeeper.
0: And as has happened so often these days, in our virtual front is...
2: Theodore, under the PC, Person of Christ.
0: See, I have moved far away from Theodore, and that is why he does not like me anymore and stays virtual. But frankly, it's good for all of us because today we are virtually reacting to a virtual channel. There is a famous apologist who is unfortunately dead. I believe that God is sovereign over everything, and so do we here at the found cost. We do not believe that any death is outside of the power of God, so clearly God saw fit that Nabil Qureshi's career was short. But it was a very powerful career. Nabil Qureshi was a ex Muslim and had some very wise things to say about Muslim apologetics and against it. He's Christian, he converted to Christianity, and uh, we're gonna be reacting to one of his Q and A's again. He died um, prematurely he died short um, so he doesn't have a lot of material out there so if you know Nabil Qureshi you probably know his one film his one book um, and the small tours that he had started doing before he died this is one of his tours he's very wise guy Um, and so we want to react positively to him while also reacting to Islam and we've done videos in the past about Islam Um, I will be very honest and say that Sebastian here is definitely our specialist expert in islam he's currently holding a copy of the quran in his lap that's annotated with english right next to it um he knows some mild arabic he likes listening to the quran uh, sung on his phone so like definitely uh-huh. on an fbi watch list um mm-hmm. and also he's done so much more uh, heavy lifting work on that part so we're not going to try to get into like the deep esoterics of Islam today. We do really want to take what, what is handled in this video. Um, but for our Muslim viewers know that we don't take this topic lightly. We don't just assume that Islam is wrong. Inherently, um, we want to go to the core of why we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and why the prophet Muhammad was not actually a prophet of the same God of the Bible. So we'll, we'll let the video speak for itself, but I'm going to defer to Sebastian mostly and Theodore, you chime in, of course, whenever you want to. We also heard that uh, actually one of our lovely Hindu viewers said that we pause way too often, which is probably true because I'm a little fast on the trigger. So I will try to be less pausey. Let's see.
3: Salaam alaikum. Uh, alaikum salam. So, my, uh, so being a Muslim, as you can uh, already mention, uh, my main problem is uh, with the Christian doctrine of Godhood of Jews. Mm-hmm. So my, my, uh, there's a couple of questions that are related. Uh, first of all, I find uh, this concept uh, logically fallacious. Uh, like There are many aspects to its logical fallacy, as in maybe uh, uh, one of them could be that how can God be finite and then infinite at the same time? Like this is like it's like saying that there could exist a square circle. It's it's a logical fallacy, right? So uh, uh, when we say that Jesus was God or Son of God, uh, we are actually saying that God existed in finitude during the life of Jesus, and He also is infinite at the same time. This is uh, logically fallacious. Now, because you are uh, like you're coming from a historical standpoint. Did you want me to respond to? That?
1: He is going to get into another question. So first, I just want to quickly point out because, you know, he will eventually get to the second part. This is a very fascinating and interesting uh, problem that many Muslims have with Christianity. They cannot accept that Jesus is the Messiah God because in their well, in the way they put it. And you can also check in with many uh, Muslim scholars or teachers out there. They believe that it is inconceivable that God could be manifested in human form, that he would, quote-unquote, lower himself, hint-hint to both of you, humble himself, Mm -hmm. if that rings any bells, and enter creation. And therefore, he would cease to be God because he entered creation. That is a big stumbling block that many Muslims have, as this gentleman is presenting here to Nabil.
0: Right, and it's not a, a to my understanding, so correct me here, Sebastian, man behind the book, um, it's not something that is expressly outlined in the Quran, this this theory about God that he wouldn't humble himself to become a man. It does have expressed things saying that Jesus isn't God or that Mary's not God mm-hmm. or whatever else, but it's it's a philosophy that's actually external to the Quran that God wouldn't inhabit something. Um, and, and you'll find, I think, in a lot of Muslim apologetics, a lot of Muslims defending the Islamic faith uh They use philosophies that aren't inherent to the Quran. They're not straight from the text. Um, That's seen in some Christian apologists, too. But if any of our viewers recognize, that is a tactic we do not like to take here on The Found Cause. And it's a tactic that um, Christian apologists that I respect also don't take. We don't um, use extra biblical philosophies to defend Christianity. We should really only use except for like in weird circumstances, um, biblical theology, things that you derive directly from the script of, of Christianity, right, the Bible. And so same with the Quran, I would hold the Islamic professors to the same standard that they should hold to strictly what the Quran says and not much else. And if things contradict with the Quran, that they shouldn't be using it. And so um, these philosophies like that God wouldn't humble himself to the earth and therefore Jesus can't be God, that's the reason he's not God or couldn't be God, um, is one that's external to the Quran. And you, I think we'll see when Nabil Qureshi talks that is actually not consistent with the Quran itself. So it's not a, mm-hmm. not a legitimate objection to Jesus being God. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you want me to read the verse about Jesus humbling himself? Yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so we can see that the Bible says that he does, but let's prove it.
2: Philippians 2, verses 4 to 10. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Having this attitude in yourselves, which also which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed him, Uh, bestowed on him the name which is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth
0: sweet and so I clearly I don't think that means much interpretation but that uh, God Jesus was God and humbled himself to become a man, and that he didn't cease to be God when he humbled himself and becoming a man. He just took on human flesh, which we, as Christians, mm-hmm. admit is a humbling thing, that God is greater than man, and to become a man was humbling. But he didn't cease to be God when he did that, and God didn't cease to be in heaven. Um, God is actually in Trinity, and therefore, wasn't, he didn't cease to be in heaven and cease to be sovereign when he took on flesh.
1: And for Muslims that may not be familiar with the Bible, at the very end, if you notice, giving him all these names, an equivalent, I would say, gets the point across, would be that Jesus has now all the names of Allah, when he always had from eternity, but Mm -hmm. he's communicating whatever is attributed, let's just say for the sake of argument, in the Quran, the all-merciful, the all-knowing, the eternal, whatever name is attributed to Allah is attributed to Christ because
0: he is God. Yep, and again, I'm if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar with Christian arguments, but the Trinity is a concept throughout the Bible that shows, it's something that God reveals to us through scripture, that he is unified, but he is not one person. He is actually three persons in one being, meaning that Jesus is God, the Father is God, and the Spirit is God. They're all God, but they are not um, the same person, meaning that Jesus can pray to the Father, both of them being God, but being separate people and able to relate to each other, which is why God is relational. We can bring up a whole bunch of philosophical defenses of that, um, but it's also just the teaching of scripture. Whereas the teaching of the Quran, um, again, is not plainly that God cannot come to the earth, which is what this Muslim gentleman is saying. We'll let Nabil Qureshi mm-hmm. answer and then talk.
4: To that, or are
3: you uh, It's a related, else? Um, uh, uh, like, it's the same question. continuing. So, because you're coming at it from a historical standpoint, um, another thing that adds, like, the historical evidence that adds, uh, like, that supports this argument, is that the concept of trinity, the word trinity itself, it doesn't appear as a theological term till near the end of the second century after Jesus.
0: So. Here, I guess Noble Correct doesn't answer, but he's he's responding to what we just described, right? That that the Trinity is the, the difference between the Quran, or one of the differences between the Quran's teachings and the Bible. And he is arguing that the word Trinity is actually not even in the Bible, which is true, it's not a word that's found in the Bible, and instead is a later interpretation by Christians. So just like I claim that he's not being consistent when he applies this attribute of Allah, supposedly that Allah won't inhabit things in the earth. Um, which is not found in the Quran and is instead a later development in Islam, he's saying that the Trinity is a later development in Christianity. Um, We would agree that Trinity is not a word used in the Bible, but it is a concept derived directly from Scripture. And so it's consistent with Scripture. It's not something that we build off of in a separate tradition or we say that, that Jesus taught on the side and didn't teach in Scripture. We believe that Scripture necessitates the understanding of God being three in one.
1: In other words, because of the Bible, Christians invented the word Trinity. This is going to be important later on in the video too.
3: Yeah So uh, it was first used as trias by Theophilus the Bishop of Antioch in AD 180 so uh, we can uh, uh, And like adding up to that when you refer to mark chapter 14 verse 62 Which is uh, what you say is the proof that Jesus claimed to be God um, Are you really applying the same criteria of objectivity that you were applying previously to the Quran when uh, interpreting this as meaning that Jesus is claiming himself to be God, because if you like look at it completely objectively, uh, looking at the entire text, like there is nothing in the entire text that's say, that's saying that Jesus claimed to be God, and in fact the verse that you yourself quote is actually saying "Son of Man." So I mean, great questions.
4: Don't go anywhere. What's your name? Uh, Munzer. Munzer, where are you from?
3: Uh, I am from Pakistan.
4: Pakistan. Yeah. Um, um, I had the exact same questions when I, was, uh, when, I, when I practiced Islam. What I want to point out is that first and foremost, what we have to see is what Jesus claimed for himself. Now, the secondary stuff that follows the theological unfolding or unpacking of what he said, we can spend years and years debating what it means. But what did he say about himself? That's the first thing we want to look at. So again, that's a historical perspective. Theologians argue all day long, back and forth, back and forth. You know, theologians argue all the time. And I just sit back and watch and smile, because you can't really prove it one way or another. But when it comes to historical events, we can show with relative degrees of certainty if the evidence is good, if the records are good, what the most likely conclusion is.
0: I'm going to pause it only to critique. Bill is a very smart guy, and I think his response <laughs> is going to be good, but I'm just going to note some inconsistency on in his point. We're very strong advocates of what we call presuppositional apologetics, meaning we presuppose the truth of the Bible and therefore use the Bible as evidence when we cite it. We don't have to belittle the Bible. We don't have to point to historical evidence because, of course, the Bible is speaking about history because it's speaking about it truth and history mm-hmm. actually happened. Um, but I would be opposed to using, quote unquote, historical arguments. I would just use the scriptural argument, which of course speaks to history, speaks to lots of things, speaks to what is true. Um, and Nabil will use the scripture and point out a very sharp and, and poignant point about the... the consistency between how you should view islam and, and christianity and which one comes out superior but his strength is when he uses scripture his strength is not when he belittles scripture in this way so i'd say again smart guy and definitely more on the school of of uh what's called evidentialist uh, apologetics which is building up the evidence that's outside of the bible and using that to convince non-believers i don't think that should be our first line of defense we've talked about it in this podcast before but just in criticism
1: i was going to say that even in um... From my experience reading the Quran, it is over and over evident that Allah does expect people to submit to him because of the nature that's revelation given in nature mm-hmm. and also based on the human heart. And he is the one who actually softens. I mean, I'm using biblical language, but I'm, guessing the point, I'm getting the point across that you either submit to God or you don't. It's not really, you're not really weighing the evidence that much
0: right and truly i mean I, I know our commenters and and me and other stages of life would have said that we are perfectly rational and we weighed all the different options and chose our faith but of course we didn't because first of all we don't even know all the options and second of all nobody's perfectly rational and third of all like d- does anybody really do like a full bayesian analysis or whatever we've heard um the guy from uh, capturing christianity talk about i don't really think so nor do i think <laughs> rationality is really um achievable by humans we do pick what we have faith in so you use reason to influence your faith um, and i fully believe that if something is inconsistent with reason you shouldn't believe it uh, because god is reasonable however um, that's not the basis of our Mm -hmm. faith like you just said we actually believe because we believe well let crashy continue i just wanted to point that out
4: so first and um let me give you an answer before if you feel like interjecting we can talk afterwards First, I want to point out, you are absolutely right. The term Trinity is not used till the end of the second century. What is the doctrine of God called in the Quran? In Islam, what is the doctrine of God called? Uh, tawhid. tawhid. Is that in the Quran? Uh,
3: I no, mean, the, word tawhid, the word Tawhid is a derived word from Ahad.
4: Alhamdulillah, yes. good. So you understand, the word Tawheed is not itself in the Quran. Mm-hmm.
1: What is tawhid? They, As I've started calling them, they um, Muslims would be bearded Unitarians because it shows how they are. Um, it's the oneness of God. You see, oneness Pentecostals, Jehovah's Witnesses, they would fall under the Unitarian umbrella, and also other groups that appear in history, but emphasize that God is one, one alone, no other persons, one being, one person. That is it. You also see that in Judah, in many, in parts of Judaism, actually all of Judaism, and. I would like to cite to read from one of the surahs just so you can get the that, that this is the this this influence this is what separates Islam from Christianity from Surah one hundred twelve near the end of the Quran. Say he is Allah, the uniquely one, Allah, the indivisible. He begot no one, nor was he begotten, and never has there been to him anyone equivalent. You can see how this is in stark contrast to
0: christianity which calls jesus his only begotten son Uh, this is a direct (laughs) attack on jesus being born (laughs) god
1: critical before we go on though because i just introduced this this doesn't mean like the mormons claim that god had relations like humans have relations and then poof came jesus out of a woman no he it's simply the language used biblically to show how he came from the father he shares the same nature as the father it is poetic language describing how jesus is of one and the same of the father
0: and importantly he existed before mary oh yes mormons say (laughs) that the actual procreation creates in a point in time people jesus always was as john one would say that the word was with father in the same time
1: so in a very strange sense islam Spot on refutes Mormonism But not Christianity Because right. over and over again Islam says do not say three Meaning Mary, Jesus and the Father Or That Jesus Or that, or that the, the divinity Came out of a relation Sexual relation So, Which is what Mormons believe like, um, Christians don't believe that Jesus Just started existing Due to the relations between the Father And, and some spiritual woman
0: and just to point out, I go back to the, the actual comment from Nabil. Um, you'll notice that he shows that the Muslim's argument is inconsistent because the Muslim says that the word Trinity doesn't show up in the Bible. And therefore, it's not clearly not a legitimate um, way to read the Bible if it doesn't even show up in the Bible. And Nabil says well, the Muslims do the exact same thing. They use Tawhid, which is this this concept that God is one. And the word Tawhid does not come from the, from the Quran. And so the Muslim goes, well, the, the concepts are from the Quran, and so Nabil says, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Equally, the concepts of Trinity are in the Bible. So uh-huh. be consistent and don't judge Christians for using the word Trinity when you yourself use tawhid. It's it's just a way we use of summarizing a teaching from the Bible, just like you use a word to summarize the teachings of the Quran.
4: In the same way, the word Trinity is not itself in the Bible. This doesn't pose a problem. The Shahada is not found in the Quran. You have the components of the Shahada in the Quran, but oh, you do not, hold on, I mean, you do not have I mean, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah in that way found in the Quran. The uh,
0: just for context, if you're not familiar, the Shahada is the the I mean he's another uh, word, the Shema Israel, the like saying of Israel that God gives Israel to always repeat in Deuteronomy six, four. The Jews put it on their walls and their foreheads and whatever it says, Shema Israel, Yahweh Yahweh Ha, the Lord, hero Israel, the Lord God, the Lord's is one. Um and usually they add the two greatest commandments in the end as well. Love your neighbours to you shall and love God with your heart, soul, and strength. Uh, the the way you become a Muslim is supposedly by reciting the Shahada, which is um, you probably know it better than me, but uh, there is no God but Allah, Muhammad is a prophet in, in Arabic, specifically in Arabic, because, you know, it's got to be in Arabic. Uh, the language of God. The language of God. The, the, the assertion here by Nabil, if you understood it, was that this uh, shahada, the saying, is important to Muslims because it's the saying you use to convert to faith. It's what Muslims repeat all the time, um, but it's not found in the Quran. So here's another very important thing that's not actually literally found in the Quran.
1: And actually, if if it is, please point that out in the comments because that it is critical. You might be saying, "Well, of course, it's important." You it's like a, it's like the Christian baptism, the Shahada. You're supposed to stand in public, but you're supposed to be baptized in public. I mean, you don't have to, but it's ideal if you do. It's a public proclamation of faith. It doesn't save you. We've done plenty of, you know, and take some baptism, but it's a declaration. Likewise, this declaration that there's no god but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet, are those words? word for word because remember muslims all the time they say where is the trinity in the bible where is the trinity in the bible where is the word trinity where is in the bible the the words jesus says i am god worship me they ask they seriously ask that mm-hmm. okay where is the shahada word for word in the quran ah it's not there but the the idea the teaching of the shahada is in the quran which i completely agree i'm just um, i just read from it also over and over again mohammed Claims to be a prophet, of course, sent by God. He says, and God is a Unitarian God. The Quran says so itself. Is the word um, tawhid used from what I just read? Not at all. Is the idea there? Yes. Likewise, let's drive it home. Is the word Trinity in the Bible? No. Is the idea of the Trinity all over the Bible, even in the Old Testament? Yes, it is. Is the idea of Jesus? Is the Word for word, I would actually agree that it is, is, but Jesus saying, I am God, worship me. Are those exact words in the Bible? I will hold. Yes, but we'll get to that later. But the idea of that is clear in scripture as Nabil is going to get there. So I'm just saying we have to apply equal measures when we assess these texts.
0: Now, if you're anything like me, uh, we were talking before this episode, me and Sebastian at dinner, and he said he was pointing this all this out and i said well why would a muslim even care it's been a while since we did an islam episode so i was refreshing why would a muslim even care um, that the bible says that jesus is god or not don't they just ignore the bible and obey the quran and i think by practice yes and i don't know any muslims really um that have read the bible some haven't read the quran of course so that's a problem in Mm -hmm. itself but they don't really read the bible in mass at all um but Sebastian reminded me the Quran says that you should be able to go to the people of the book, people who read the Bible, um, and see that Muhammad is there, i.e. that, that the NGO they call it, the message, the Bible has truth in it, it is truth. And so the challenge to Muslims is that they supposedly believe the Bible is true, but if it's true and it doesn't, it's inconsistent with Islam, then Islam is not true because Islam said that the Bible was true and clearly one of them is not. So the challenge that Muslims have is determining how Christians interpret the Bible to think that it's different than Islam um, when Islam says that the Bible should be consistent with Islam. And so that's really the battle here is that we would agree that that the Quran teaches Tawhid and that the Quran has the the nature, the essence, the reason for saying the Shahada in it, but um, we also say the Bible is fundamentally opposed to these ideas. Instead, that's the Trinity and the Shema Israel and the belief in Jesus Christ as God. And they would have to refute all those things in order to keep their view consistent, which is why there's a battle over what the Bible says um, and why often Muslim apologists are inconsistent because they will never defend the Quran in the same way they attack the Bible because they can't. Because the, if they consistently attack the Bible, they will end up attacking the Quran and hurting their own base of faith.
4: Uh, Compon- hold on. The components are found in the Qur'an, mm-hmm. with the Trinity. The components are found in the Bible. So, uh,
3: The word Tawhid does appear in the Hadith.
4: Oh, That's great, but it's not in the Qur'an. The narrations of the prophet. And, the, and the Hadith is much later. So we're looking at the, you ask for the Bible, and we have within the early canonical tradition, people calling a, a God a Trinity in the early canonical tradition. In fact, much closer to Jesus' time than the Hadith were to Muhammad's
1: Context. I don't think he's gonna get to what the hadith are, but Muslims, of course, they know what the hadith are. They are collected commentaries, either in quotations from Muhammad. Some are dubious. Some some Muslim scholars say that yes, Muhammad definitely did say this, but it's not um, it's not a whole whole of the same holy holiness level as it is the Quran. Because the Quran, God wanted these exact verses recited. That's the Quran. Hadith. Muhammad did say. Obviously, he didn't just say. <laughs> What's in the Quran? His whole life, he clearly spoke many other things. So that's, the, the Hadith are is a collection of all those sayings. Some are wild stories that many say are real. We're not gonna even go, we, actually we did go with that funny moments in the life of Muhammad. Yeah. So mm-hmm. again, it's, some of the Hadith are wild. So I would say go back to the archives and look for that episode in particular on our series in Islam. But and a Christian equivalent would be like. What I'm reading now, the Apostolic Fathers, which is the letters of Clement, the, uh, the letter, the one letter of Clement, excuse me, the letters of Ignatius of Polycarp, people that lived very close to the time of the apostles. Polycarp knew the Apostle John. So clearly, I mean, it is not holy scripture, mm-hmm. but Polycarp was deeply influenced by one of the apostles who knew Jesus personally. So is it holy scripture? No. Is it important? Oh, absolutely. Likewise, I would say the Hadith are seen just as important, if not more important to Muslims.
0: Yeah, and I think it's mainly because um, Islam is so totalitarian in that it wants to totally take over society, and it has lots to say on every portion of society, and the Quran is honestly pretty short and um, doesn't speak a lot to how you should run society it only has some basic principles and so like the bible would be short if you only had the new testament Um, but of course we have the old testament that's attached and the the old testament has the law and a whole bunch of context for the new testament so the quran is more like just the new testament in that it relies a lot more on traditions that come out of the quran afterwards with the hadiths and things to actually apply to society and therefore Hadiths are much stronger pieces like sebastian said in islamic culture um than the early church fathers are today like most christians that don't even know or care about the early church so fathers. so who's which, clement <laughs> which is fine honestly it's fine because it's not that important what they had to say except to show consistent christian teaching back then um but hadiths are even more important to muslims so the fact that the hadiths say tahid um was a was a point of pride and in defense of the word Taheed by the muslim commentator here and so Nabil Kreshi replies well the equivalent of, of um of the hadith in christianity also says the word trinity so if you defend tawheed using the hadith then you should defend trinity using the early church fathers
4: it's time so it, whichever way you stack it when you're consistent you end up with a stronger case for the trinity for jesus deity now i want to continue on to your next part of your question which is is jesus finite or infinite the argument is that jesus is you know actually i'm trying to pose it in a slightly different way can allah come onto this world if he wants can he be in this world if he wants
3: uh, I, I wouldn't think so. You wouldn't because, think so. So,
4: you, so Allah's omnipotence is limited. He can't come onto this
3: world. It's, it's like basically you, Allah, Allah cannot do uh, logically fallacious mm-hmm. things. Like he cannot create a square circle, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's something logically fallacious. But, so know
4: know but, but how do we know that's what this is? Because, for example, in Surah Al Imran, when Allah is talking to Moses, it says in Surah Al Imran, I think it's Surah Al Imran, it might be Surah 18, but double check, um, that Allah, as He spoke to Moses, Allah was in the bush. Allah was in the bush. So if you want to say that meant something else, well, you're going to have to argue with the Quran on that one. It seems to be pretty clear that Allah can emanate his voice from a physical place. He can be in a physical place, in a sense. In the same way, we don't believe, I don't believe, that God coming to this Earth limits his omnipotence.
1: I want to say, you don't believe what he just said? I had to look it up myself on on the uh, Quran. It's from the ants, which is Surah 27. There may be one. on. 18 but I found it here in verse 8 so when Moses is reaching for and finds the bush then he reached it he was called blessed is whoever is in the fire and whoever is around it and highly exalted is Allah Lord of all realms oh Moses it is indeed I Allah the almighty the all-wise and then he tells him to cast the staff on the ground I could read it in Arabic but that might be strange and I might make mistakes, but as you can see here, who is in the bush? Allah. Is it some stranger saying, oh, look, Allah is in the bush? Or it's Allah himself. It's Allah himself saying it. I, it is I, Allah. This place is holy because I am here. Could Allah manifest in physical form in the universe? According to the Quran, he did.
0: Right, and again, it shows the faults with using um, weird philosophical apologetics. And we should take note for Christians too. When we create weird must-have solutions, for example, this this Muslim says that God, its you cannot put a square into a circle. It's logically impossible for Allah to be infinite and yet limit himself to the earth. And therefore, God cannot come physically to the earth because it would be limiting himself. It would be making God something that he is not um. But that concept is foreign to the Quran, clearly, because we just read, or Sebastian just read, and Nabil Qureshi quotes um, the, by the way, same, same account, supposedly, of Moses from Exodus. So yes, same Moses involved here that they're talking about, um, where God, Allah shows up in the bush. So here's God coming to earth, proving his philosophical stuff wrong. And, and clearly, the assumption that God cannot limit himself to come to the earth is a wrong one. It's not for the Quran, it's not for the Bible, clearly. And so you should never hold it to the first place. That's why his philosophical proof fails. And when faced with the Quran, it fails as well. So a really good way, and this is, I think, the brilliance of Nabi Al Qureshi, of knowing the Quran well enough to be able to show where the Muslims inconsistent in his apologetics. Um, in a way that was clearly just biased against Christianity, saying that God cannot limit himself, um, because the Quran talks about God, quote-unquote, limiting himself and coming in the bush. Instead of Yoko Qureshi, I think rightly says that God does not actually limit himself when he enters creation. He's still God up above. So Him entering creation doesn't limit God.
1: And we also know this from other biblical stories that he tells Moses in when he, I would say, Christ in his glory appears he tells you cannot see my face otherwise you will die because i am so holy mm-hmm. and he only sees the back of god likewise when elijah is in the cave god is out he is outside the cave you hear a lot of storm fire what and whatnot steps coming in and a whisper and elijah has to cover his face because otherwise he would drop dead but what is my point god manifested yes he obviously he he um, he didn't, he chose to not express his full glory. Otherwise, whole ground would burst on fire. Elijah would start melting on the spot. So obviously he had to limit himself a little bit in that sense. But he didn't cease to be God. Mm-hmm. He can clearly manifest in creation at any point. And he did it in a burning bush. He did it with Moses. He did it with Elijah. He did it with um, Jesus Christ.
0: Yep. And And all the more, I mean, for the Muslim at home, if you're listening, realize that the possibility of God coming as Jesus Christ is not impossible. So although the Quran disagrees, it is not a logical impossibility for God to come as Jesus Christ. And what we would ask you to do if you're being consistent is to compare the Quran to the Bible and see which um, account is more truthful, more consistent. Is the Quran consistent? Does it stay consistent with the religions of the past? Is it true to Judaism? Is it true to Christianity? And then it's it's the true continuation, as Muhammad would say, as the Quran would say, or is the Bible fundamentally different than the Quran? Um, And and by the way, in case it comes up or in case you look it up, the Bible is consistent with what it was way back then with what it is now. The Bible in the days of Muhammad is the same as it is today, give or take a couple of words. And they're not important words, just adds from from things like instead of saying the Lord Jesus, it'll say the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It's just scribal errors like that. But the, the point is. Look to which one is more consistent with itself, with its references, Um, and come to conclude which one is truly the word of God. Is it the Bible or is it the
4: Quran? Any comments, Theodore? Nope. (laughs) Well, I I just want to make sure.
0: We'll let Nubiel continue.
4: It's not a limitation of his omnipotence. Jesus has taken on flesh. God the Father is still everywhere. God, Jesus, the Son, is here on this earth. It's a limitation in that sense, but it's not a limitation of his nature. He's both the divine and human nature. That's the argument. Now, I want to uh, talk about briefly, and then we're going to have to go to the next question, but let's talk afterwards for sure. You asked about the Son of Man. You said he's not calling himself the Son of God, he's calling himself the Son of Man. I'm emphasizing to you, my friend, when this hit me, again, while I was practicing Islam, when this hit me, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. The claim Son of God, according to Jews at that time, was not anything divine. Adam was called the Son of God. Solomon was called the Son of God. In the Psalms, it says, you are gods. It's not a divine claim to call someone a son of God. But when someone refers to that son of man coming on the clouds of heaven, who's going to receive glory, authority, and sovereign power, and people of every nation and language are going to worship him with a worship due only to God, that son of man is more than just a human. He is divine. He's going to be worshipped by all people of all time. So when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, he's not, it's not the Son of God title, and lots of Christians get this wrong, so I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at you. Lots of Christians say, oh, Son of Man means he's human, and Son of God means he's God. No, it's the other way around. In the Jewish context, Son of God was a normal human title. Son of Man from Daniel 7. That was something divine. Go back and read Daniel chapter 7. See that this man is worshipped by all people from all eternity. This man, the one who looks like a human anyway, is worshipped by all people alongside of God the Father. That's the one Jesus is claiming to be. Definitely understand that point that I'm trying to make. And so when you see that Jesus' claim is found there in Mark 14:62, it's found in all the Gospels. And every time Jesus uses the term Son of Man, he's alluding to that. You cannot extract that from the Gospels.
0: And the people made it way better than we could right now. But uh, the Bible does clearly have instances where Jesus is claiming to be God. And I think you are alluding to that earlier in the episode, Sebastian, that... Their, the claim that Jesus doesn't claim to be God in the Gospels is literally, it, it literally, so looking at the literature, um, incorrect. Jesus does assert to be God. He just doesn't make it in what we would call plain English um, to be coy or uh, honestly, he says he hides things from the Jews then just like he, he says things in parables because he, it's not time for them to know yet or because it's a judgment against them that they don't understand the parables, blah, blah, blah. The reasoning for it. A balance, but the truth is that he does claim to be God in sections where the Jews have him cornered in the Gospel of John. And um, he says, Before Abraham was, I am. And he says it just like that, I am, uh, which is an allusion to a portion of Isaiah, which says that. Uh, I got three.
2: Oh, sorry. Go
0: ahead. Well,
2: go ahead. I have three verses if you want me. I yeah, got Isaiah yeah. 9 6, John 8, Revelation. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good splatter. Mm hmm. Um, Isaiah 9-6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Um, and then I don't have the one in the Old Testament where God says, I am, and whatnot, but uh, maybe one of you guys can say that. Um, well, but in the Burning John, Bush
0: episode, right, God calls himself oh, right. the great I am. Um, And so Jesus, when he says, I am, could be alluding to that. I think the actual language that's used in Greek, if you compare the Greek version of the Old Testament to the Greek version of the New Testament, um, is a reference in Isaiah where God also says, I am, like I am the great I am. Um, So in any case, God's title is I am. It's his exclusive title. And Jesus claims that title when he says, before Abraham was, I am, which I don't know how you reconcile that to not saying that he's God because he's saying before Abraham was, he was which means he's either really, really old, or he's the eternal one that that you just quoted from Isaiah—that he is supposed to be, um, this mighty God, the eternal Father, Prince of Peace.
2: Yeah, and John eight fifty-six to fifty-nine, Jesus is saying, "Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day." Speaking mm-hmm. of Jesus's day, and he saw it and was uh, and and was glad. So the Jews said to him, "You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham." Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. A.K.A. the Jews got the picture. Right. Jesus was claiming (laughs) to be God. And then go all the way to Revelation 22, 12 to 13. The revelation of Jesus. Uh, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Meaning, Jesus is rendering to every man. Um, And then the next verse is, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end.
0: Which is the title given to Yahweh in the very beginning of Revelation 2, so the, the God. So, again, the Bible throughout it, from the Old Testament to the Gospels to the rest of the New Testament, all claim that Jesus is God. It's not uh, form, or hoisted upon it, hoisted upon it by old theologians after Jesus' death.
1: Yeah, something that blew my mind is that when one of our favorite theologians was reading from Hebrew, and he kept saying, and I who, and I whom, like, what is he saying in Hebrew? I can't- can't understand what the heck is going Sebastian on. Sebastian
0: has a thing against James White and how he pronounces foreign languages. Uh, he <laughs> pronounces it like a white guy, and, and uh, Sebastian's doing his best to pronounce it like a brown man. So, yes,
1: <laughs> I'll move past that and just say in anyhu. Um, and since I'm trying, I'm doing some gentle work to learn some Arabic so I can read the Quran and also some Christian writings from that were written in Arabic. Story for another day. Anihu kept coming back. I was like, huwa. I was like, oh, it's like Arabic. Anna means I, Huwa means he. And then I also learned that uh, in some schools of Sufism, Sufism are um, uh, Muslim mystics, like, they're like monks. I mean, I understand, not the same, but like similar to monks. They also refer to Allah as Hu or Huwa, he. Uh, and some even replace the Shahada with there's no God but he, meaning Allah. What's my point? Jesus, as you can see in Hebrew, attributes to himself. Anahuah—that is what he—he he is claiming. He is claiming, I am God. The God in like how Isaiah, and Isaiah speaks, I am He. So they know I—I I am He, meaning Yahweh God. What am I saying? There's no way to get around it. Jesus was claiming to be the God of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm
0: period. <laughs> and, and again, the problem, just to ram it home, the problem is the Quran says that the NGL should speak consistently about Muhammad coming and the truth of the Quran and the truth of Muhammad, and it does not. It, in fact, says things that the Quran denies. So which one is true? The Quran, which says the Bible should be real, mm-hmm. or the Bible, which says the Quran is
4: wrong? So please put Mark fourteen sixty two next to Daniel chapter 7.
0: And just note, we didn't even have to use Mark fourteen sixty two. It's not like it's the only proof text for showing that Jesus claims that, it'd be, that he's God. And there's more than we even shared now. So it's not a, it's not a secret. It's not
4: reliant on one text. It has much. See what Jesus is claiming for himself. And we'll talk afterwards for the rest. Lord bless you, my friend. We'll take one last question.
0: So there you go. That's the whole video again. Uh, Nibir O'Korosian has sadly passed away. Um i think when you die young you were also especially good because he basically died in his prime and so he really does have a lot of good material out there my one critique uh, during this was on his evidentialism which i think probably honestly if he had to predict in the future would have hurt his ministry over the years because i do think it's a poison that doesn't help your apologetics but here he doesn't actually rely on evidentialism he relies on his knowledge of the quran and his knowledge of scripture which i think is a good way to respond so i think great work by nabil Creshi here and that's the way we should approach our, not just Muslim neighbors, but anybody who comes to question the faith. We should immediately refute them and then follow up the scripture, immediately refute them and follow up the Bible follow up with the gospel. Um, we say it a lot in this podcast, but I'll just say it again. When you are giving apologetics to your neighbor, to your friend, to your family member, you should not dwell on their specific objections because you can spend hours upon hours upon hours on their specific objections. And if you never get to the actual gospel, the actual call to come to faith, you've failed your interaction with that person. Not to say that God can't use your interaction with that person or whatever else, but the goal of all of us should be to deflect their, their objection like the muslim here he objects he says god cannot be finite and therefore jesus can't be god because he'd be finite Nabil corrects it and immediately goes for what the scripture says what the truth is so like god actually can be limited in this way here's the quran saying that it can that's just something that the muslim would believe because the muslim believes in the quran and then he immediately goes in the gospel of that jesus was the living god and you can go further with a friend or a neighbor or an objector and say that you have to believe in Jesus Christ as God, as your payment for sin and, and be forgiven to be forgiven, right? That, that's the way to eternal life that anybody who believes in Jesus Christ as the Lord God and submits to him is paid for by Jesus Christ and lives. And that's our call to all those that are listening is that if you've not yet bowed to Jesus Christ to do so, he's the only one that can save you that otherwise you're you're dead in your sins. Whether you think your work saved you or not, you cannot be saved by obedience. You must be saved by payment. And the only payment you can pay with is your very life. And so if you don't want to pay with your very life in hell, you must rely on somebody else to pay your price. And there's only one perfect human, and that is Jesus Christ, who has given his life up for many. That's the pitch of the gospel. We should be prepared to defend the faith, but always point back to the truth of the gospel when you do. Any last closers, Theodore, Sebastian?
2: Uh, well, do Muslims accept the old the Old Testament?
1: They say
0: that they do? Yeah, they say they do. When they, oh, okay. Except when they don't. Right. They're not <laughs> right. particularly consistent because it's true that the Old Testament and the New Testament don't align with the Quran and Islam. So when they don't, they don't believe the Old Testament or the New Testament. So there's a lot of, like, if you watch other Muslim apologetics videos, we've done a couple on ours, there's a lot of leveraging liberal theologians that say that the Bible's not really true or, like, it originally said something different but it's been twisted and changed over time. Of course, that's all nonsense and... That's when I say you can object to those things, but don't get distracted by those kind of nonsensical, because uh, you can go on for hours and hours and hours about why exactly the Bible is actually its original text, um, but they don't really care, right? Because they really care about defending Islam and you need, to, you need to poke at it with the gospel as opposed to defending literary scholarly techniques of knowing that a text is true to itself. Um, but yes, they, they technically say that the Old Testament and Testament should be consistent with Islam, but when they're not they're not really sure what to do so then they rely on either saying it's you're interpreting it wrong or um that it's been corrupted some even go as far as saying like the angel um that that is supposedly true according to the quran is only portions of the old testament or the new testament like it's only the prophets and um the gospels not the epistles from paul not revelation and not the psalms or other things like that that you can use to prove that jesus is god or whatever else
1: it is very unfortunate, and something that I would also recommend that has affected me a lot before doing it. Before you go out to do apologetics or have such a discussion, pray, because these are uh, specifically with Islam. You always pray, of course, with Islam. These are people that have some familiarity with the stories of the Old Testament and vague, very vaguely, very vaguely about Jesus, and they have been in many cases grown up with a strict set of doctrines that you have to reject Christianity no matter what they say this is false don't listen to it so this really takes a lot of I would say a lot of prayer and an act of God to soften the hearts of the people that you're speaking to and also be sure to mind your own tone as well because you want to be a good representative of Jesus Christ you don't want to um, misrepresent yes, God can use anything, of course, any any presentation that you give, but you want to represent Christ to the best of your ability. That takes a lot of prayer. And my recommendation, as we've always done regarding Islam, is that focus, try to learn specifically on something that you are passionate about the gospel. For myself, how are you justified? How, are, are you, how do you have peace with God? Yes, very vague, but actually it's very precise. Christ died on our behalf as you presented on the gospel, because we cannot pay for our own sins. Mm-hmm. The justice with the service, our own death. in Islam, God is exalted for His mercy because he forgives anyone who worships him. but what happens to all the evil that was done? Yes, they're thrown into, into many people are thrown into hellfire, but what about the evil that you have done as a Muslim? What happens to that? Oh, many have, many say, just God just forgives, just forgets about it. Mm-hmm. But that is injustice. That is incomplete justice. The only solution is for you to pay for your sins. Otherwise, God is actually being unjust right. because he's he's just allowing it's okay. He's being corrupt in that case. I'm not saying Allah a is corrupt. What I'm saying is doing that is a corrupt action. So rather. In Christianity in the Old Testament which requires sacrifice Christ is the one and only sacrifice he is the only human and God at the same time that lived the perfect life that could take away our sins he took those upon himself because he lived the perfect life that he could not and thus because of him through him as our intercessor we can be forgiven and have peace with God that is something that the Muslim needs to hear and depending on the conversation might go well might go poorly but at least you have planted that seed you have planted the seed of good news and you can of course pray and let god do what he wills with that
0: yeah amen any closing constant or are we all good
2: well just one of the things that i really like is if they actually accepted all of the old testament then you could also point them because prophecy Mm -hmm all in the Old Testament points to the who, what, where, when, why Mm -hmm. (laughs) of Jesus. And that I always find really amazing. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it does. It's (laughs) not, I mean... To be fair, not all some of the prophecies about not Jesus, but yes, there are many prophecies about Jesus (laughs) in the Old Testament. You can go to any run of the mill Christian presentation and see many prophecies about Jesus, and they're hard to contend with if you're a Muslim because they clearly don't point to Muhammad. And even if you if you really want to get like into specific claims of Islam, you can look at the claims that Muhammad um, and Muslims make about the Bible predicting Muhammad's coming, and see how they definitely don't predict his coming. Uh, just another inconsistency between the two. But that's probably for another discussion. We have many episodes in Islam ourselves. And then if you want to go to anybody else, you can see Nibir Qureshi's uh, film and book. And you can go to the many people out there doing anti-Muslim apologetics, pro-Christianity apologetics. I would just defer you to James White, who we just talked about, does some really good debates with Muslims of all sorts. Um, There are some other less good debaters out there that that also argue against Muslims. I would just recommend James White because he's really respectful to Muslims when he does it. But with that being said, that's why we have found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been Michael the man behind the machine and to my right has been
1: Sebastian the bookkeeper. And
0: all the way over virtually it's been
2: Theodore under the PC.
0: Thank you for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes you can go to foundcause.podb.com and dial them all for your listening pleasure. That's audio only though. If you want to see our visual faces and the face of Nabil Koreshianis questioner you have to go to youtube.com find us there on foundcause there. We're also on facebook.com forward slash foundcause. We're also on iTunes and Spotify wherever else you might find your podcasts. So until next time, when we talk about something completely different, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.